0: Well, good morning, everybody. A lot going on up here this morning. I'll tell you, um, it's, it's so good to see so many of you here back at church. It's just great to see everybody, and so um, you know the baptisms—just great stories, weren't they? Just excellent testimonies. Um, reminds me as i was watching people kind of deal with the coolness of the baptism not sure why it was cold but uh reminds me of my own baptism back in way back in 1985 Uh, i was baptized in march uh, in a stream behind towson high school Uh, that's kind of the way we did it back then you know if you were a real christian you you know you didn't care what time what the weather was you just Wanted to show your allegiance to Jesus. So, well, if you are new with us or a guest, my name's Don. I'm one of the pastors here today. And today we're starting a new series. We'll be in for the next maybe six weeks uh, on the book of Proverbs, which we're calling Wisdom for Life. Um, And uh, we're going to begin today, sort of kick this series off with with sort of an intro message to Proverbs called The Way of Wisdom. We're going to be looking at The very beginning of the book of Proverbs in Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. So if you want to pull out your Bible app or turn there in your Bible, uh, we also have the verses on the screen. You can easily follow along with that as well. So let me ask you this question. Do you want to be wise? I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, think about it. The alternative is to be foolish, naive, simple, ignorant. I mean, anybody want to aspire to have their life characterized by those kind of words? Probably not. I mean, nobody would say they want to be a fool, right? And wisdom is certainly in demand in our world today, uh, people are looking all over the place to find wisdom. You can go to Dr. Phil and find Wisdom for Living. You can go to Dr. Oz. There are countless talk radio shows which will promote their view of what wisdom is. Or you can go on YouTube and there are Uh, Thousands of so-called experts who will uh, gladly share their wisdom on many different areas just in exchange for just clicking that little like button or subscribe. Or if you prefer, you can kind of search wisdom out on your own using Google or a search engine on the internet. We live in a world that is literally bombarded with information. Countless online and social media sites draw people seeking wisdom about all kinds of things. But the question is, is all this information really making us wise? If we're going to answer that question correctly, we need to understand what wisdom really is. And we need to understand how we get it or acquire it. Because you see, if we get the answers to these questions wrong, then the only alternative left is to be a fool, right? And nobody wants to be a fool. And this is where the book of Proverbs can be helpful to us, because the very purpose of Proverbs is that we might get wisdom or be wise. The beginning of this book tells us that as it intros this book in verses 1 through 6. Let's just look at those verses together. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, And so this morning, we're going to draw on these verses and a few others in this book to just consider the question, what is wisdom, and how do we get it? So before we do that, let's just take a moment and ask God for his help. Lord, we come to this book, Lord, seeking your wisdom. Lord, as the one who created this universe, Lord, You are the source of wisdom. And so, Lord, we pray that you would, in the grace of your presence, send your spirit to be with us this morning, that you would guide me, that the things that I say would represent your word faithfully and truthfully, and that you would just be present in each of our hearts and minds to open our ears and minds to hear and perceive and understand, Lord, what you want to communicate through this message this morning. So we just commit this time to you and ask you to fill it with your presence now in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. So I want to begin with looking at the foundation of wisdom. I mean, what is wisdom? I mean, is it just knowing a lot about some particular thing? I mean, if I, if I know a lot about sports, is that Wisdom, if I know a lot about computers and how to fix them, how to program them, and all those kinds of things, is that wisdom? If I know a lot about investing, you know, and how to make money and use money wisely, is that wisdom? Well, Proverbs would tell us no. See, wisdom is more than just knowledge. And verses 1 through 6, I think in the beginning of this book, give us some insight in helping us understand what wisdom is. In verse 4, it says wisdom gives knowledge to young people. Verse 5, it says the wise will increase in learning. Verse 6 talks about understanding proverbs and sayings that are wise, that wisdom helps us do that. What's kind of fascinating here to me is, you know, when we tend to think about wisdom and knowledge, here's the way we kind of think about wisdom. We we think that, first of all, we have to get a lot of knowledge, right? And then that knowledge will make us wise. I mean, that's the common way that we, I think, often think about knowledge and wisdom. But what's interesting here is the Bible seems to flip that around, It seems to say to us that first we have to get wisdom and then we will really know things. See, wisdom gives knowledge to young people. The wise are the ones who increase in learning. Wisdom leads to understanding proverbs and sayings of the wise. See, wisdom shapes what we know and how we think. But wisdom is more than just knowing truth and thinking rightly. Wisdom is much more about our character and our actions and what we do and how we live. In verse 3, it says wisdom is to help us deal wisely in life. Verse 4 says it gives prudence to the simple that prudence is the idea, it's the the ability to navigate the problems and challenges of life successfully. Verse 4 says it gives discretion to young people. If you're a young person and you're, you're wondering, does the Bible have anything to say to me? Well this book is specifically for you. One of the main reasons this book was written is to give prudence and wisdom to young people and discretion. And discretion is this idea of walking the path of life in a way that avoids the lures and snares that bring destruction and death. Verse 2 says wisdom gives insight into life. Insight is the ability to have discernment, to see wisely and make wise choices. Verse 5 says, wisdom gives us guidance in how to navigate the situations and circumstances we face in life. But wisdom also has a moral quality or dimension to it as well. Verse 3 tells us that. It says, it helps us to know how to live out righteousness and justice and equity and how we deal with people and situations. You see, wisdom is truth applied to the day-to-day realities of life. It's the skills, expertise, and competence that understands how life really works and how to live successfully. It's the skill of applying knowledge and truth to life effectively. See, wisdom is to guide what we think, what we say, what we do. It's the key to a successful, rewarding life. And when it comes to wisdom, Proverbs tells us that there is one essential foundational reality that all true wisdom is built on. It's the foundational principle that underlies everything in the book of Proverbs. It's really the theme of the entire book because if we don't get this, we will not get wisdom. If we miss this foundational reality. We cannot truly be wise no matter how much information we may know or learn about things. And this foundational principle is in chapter 1 verse 7, the beginning of verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning The word beginning here doesn't simply mean starting point. It means that it's the primary and controlling principle. It's the foundation and source of all true knowledge and wisdom. If wisdom is knowing real truth and applying it in everyday life, this says that all true knowledge begins with and flows out of the fear of the Lord. In other words, we can't know and understand things correctly and wisely apart from the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 tells us pretty much the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, the key to the knowledge and to true knowledge and wisdom in life is the fear of the Lord. So what exactly does that mean? I mean, what is the fear of the Lord and why is it so essential? Well, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean a a frightened terror or fear of God where we're kind of cowering in his presence, terrified of what he might do to us but the fear of the Lord begins with knowing God for who he really is. It understands that God is the creator and sustainer of all things, that he is sustaining and keeping us every moment that we live. It knows what he's really like, that he loves righteousness and hates evil. It understands that he's designed this universe and how it works according to his wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 8, and we won't look there for the interest of time, uh, in verses 22 through 31, wisdom is, is sort of personified as a person, if you will. And those verses describe how wisdom was with God and working with God as he created this universe and and human beings and all that exists. Wisdom was his companion delighting in him. And the idea there is, is that God created and designed this world to function and operate according to his wisdom. And we can, we can see that. If we kind of get this idea, we can see that all around us. We, it's, it's, it's seen in all the, the physical laws and principles that enable this physical universe to continue to exist day after day after day. I mean, for example, we might take something like gravity. If I take a ball and hold it out here and let it go... Which way is it going to go? It's going to go down, right? I can do it a hundred times. I can do it a thousand times. I can do it a million times. Whenever I let it go, it's always going to go the same direction. Why? Because the law of gravity is part of God's wisdom and how he's designed things. And you see, as human beings... We were made to live in harmony with the wisdom that God used to design this universe. So we're made to live in harmony with these physical laws and principles. So, for, And as long as we kind of live in harmony with them, things tend to go well for us, generally speaking. Doesn't mean we don't have problems at times. But the more we live in harmony, let's take gravity for example. As long as I kind of live my life in harmony with the law of gravity, generally things will go along pretty well. However, if I decide that I don't buy this gravity stuff, I just don't believe it, and I'm going to go up on the roof of this building, and I'm going to step off the edge because I don't buy that gravity has to govern my life. Well, what's going to happen? I'm gonna find that there are some consequences that come pretty quickly to violating that law, right? Um, and, And that's pretty clear in the physical realm. But I think what we don't understand as well is that God has not only created this universe according to certain physical laws and principles, but God is a moral being. And he's created this universe to operate according to certain moral and spiritual laws and principles as well. The Bible kind of talks about this in one sense as the principle of sowing and reaping. See, because as long as we live our lives in harmony with these moral and spiritual principles that God's designed into this universe, things will tend to go pretty well for us. Again, not that we won't have problems from time to time, but generally speaking, things will tend to go well. But if we choose to violate or go against those moral principles and rules and and uh, laws that God has designed into this universe, we find that things don't go so well, um, but we don't we don't kind of get that like we do on the physical side. Well, why is it? Why don't we kind of see that connection as clearly? Well, I think uh, Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, gives us an answer in Ecclesiastes 8.11 where he says this. He says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. See, there's the problem. If I step off this roof, the consequences of violating the law of gravity come right away. But in violating and going against the wisdom of God's moral and spiritual laws and principles, those consequences don't always come immediately. And so what happens is, we lose the connection between the two. We just don't see it as being connected. And so, as he says in Ecclesiastes, we think there are no consequences. And so we can get away with whatever we want to do. You see, the fear of the Lord isn't simply knowing about God and what he's like. It's living our lives in harmony with the wisdom God has designed into this creation. It's living our lives in proper relationship to Him as Lord and Creator. It's an awareness that as our Creator God, our lives are accountable to Him. He sees and knows everything about us and all that we think and do. Proverbs tells us that. Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are before the Lord, how m- and he ponders all his paths. A man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Proverbs 15, 11 says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. Now, Sheol was, uh, in the Old Testament, it was kind of the underworld where when you died, your soul went to Sheol. Um, and Abaddon was the the furthest, farthest reaches of that underworld. It was often referred to as the abyss where the fallen angels were kept until judgment. It was a thing the furthest away from God's presence. What Proverbs is saying here is God knows intimately everything that goes on there. How can he not know intimately everything that goes on in our hearts? Not just in what we say and do, but in our hearts. See, everything we think, say, and do is, is always before his eyes. You know, when it's just you and your computer, you're, you're not alone. When you think those hateful or angry thoughts towards someone, God knows. When you think it's just you and no one will ever see or know, he sees and knows everything and every detail. See, wisdom understands that everything in our life is lived before God's eyes. See, nobody nobody really gets away with anything. No one ultimately escapes justice or the consequences of our choices. But it's also an awareness that despite our many faults and failures that that he wants to be gracious and merciful to us and have a relationship with us as our loving heavenly father. See, the fear of the Lord is a loving submission to God as our Lord, a worshiping submission to the God who reveals himself to us and wants us to know him and his wisdom. To fear God is to position ourselves under his rule and authority, to acknowledge our dependence upon him for all things. It's a desire to please him in how we live, an openness to hear him and be instructed by him. If that characterizes how we relate to God, then, then we welcome his watchful care in our lives. You know, when our two daughters were very small and we lived in the city, we would let them play out in the front yard and and there were dangers possibly there. There was a street and if they wandered into the street, they could, you know, encounter traffic and there were dogs in the neighborhood. So whenever they would be out playing in the front yard, we always kept a pretty watchful eye on them, make sure nothing happened. And as long as they kind of played out there and followed kind of the guidelines that we told them the things we said don't do that they didn't do, I think they really appreciated that watchful eye and care. But if they should choose to do something that we told them not to, if they should choose to go against those guidelines, then all of a sudden that care isn't appreciated in the same way. It becomes uncomfortable when we're stepping across those kinds of lines. And so if if we find ourselves uncomfortable with God being aware of everything we think, say, or do, I mean, it could be because we, we may not be living in a loving submission to him as Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is living our lives in a relationship with God that is characterized by loving submission to him and wisdom flows out of this reality. It's only in the relational reality of the fear of the Lord that we have the framework to get true knowledge and true wisdom. We can't truly understand life and how it works apart from that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. This is the first and most important principle that makes all other things fall into place. One writer said, the fear of the Lord is to wisdom like the alphabet is to reading, like notes are to music, like numbers are to mathematics. See, wisdom is not just a matter of lifting some pithy statement from Proverbs and seeking to apply it in your life. Wisdom is an orientation to how we see and relate to life. See, wisdom is the ability to see life as God, the one whose wisdom designed it, sees it. You know, Charles Dickens in his uh, famous novel, Tale of Two Cities, begins that book with these words. It was The best of times and it was the worst of times. And those words kind of accurately describe what would have been one of the most memorable family experiences that we've had over the years in our family. We were vacationing in Puerto Rico. And as I typically do when we go on vacation, I'm kind of researching everything. What are we going to do? What are some interesting things we could do while we're there? And so we we kind of I ran across this thing called the Bio Bay Tour, and it's a tour where you kind of kayak out to this area where, uh, in the water, all these microorganisms kind of are at work, and they create this luminescence in the Bio Bay. And it it sounded really cool. I actually have a picture of kind of what it's supposed to look like, if we could pull it. So that's kind of the way it's supposed to look. I, I, I do have to say that the reality is not quite as spectacular as, as that picture would imply, but you kind of get the idea. And so we decided we're gonna do the Bio Bay tour, right? Uh, and of course, to see the Bio Bay, you know, to really appreciate it, you don't wanna do it during the day. You gotta do it at night, right? Um, and, and if you really want to get the fullest effect, you don't just want to do it at night. You want to do it when there's hardly no moon. And so I picked a day to go on the bio bay when there was no moon at all. And so we went. And one of the things they mentioned that I didn't say a lot about is in order to get to the bio bay, you have to kayak through about a mile of mangrove swamp. Um, and so, pull up that next picture. This is kind of what it looks like in the daytime. Um, so, so we're in these two-person kayaks, and uh, it is so dark. I mean, you literally can't see your hand in front of your face, because if it's bad enough that there's no, no moon, any ambient light from stars is blocked out, because all the branches of the mangrove s- swamp kind of just close over the channels in there, so there's, n- there's no light. And to get through the mangrove Swamp, you have, to, you have to kayak through these, these twisting and turning channels. They might be about eight to 10 feet wide. Um, and let me tell you, <laughs> this was probably one of the most frustrating, worst experiences we've ever had. Because you, you just can't see. And uh, you're running into the banks and the branches are slapping you in the face. And I, I wish I could say we handled it well, uh, but we really didn't. And so we're frustrated with each other. Can't you steer this thing, you know? and-, and it was just a mess. And there were times when I remember thinking, we're never gonna get out of here. <laughs> we're gonna have to wait till daylight until we can see to, to, to navigate out of here. Fortunately, the one thing that, that kind of rescued and saved us is when we started the tour, the guy said, look, there's a red light on the back of the kayak ahead of you. you got to keep your eye on that red light and follow it. And so we tried to the best of our ability to do that, and we lost it at times, but eventually we kind of made it through the mile of the mangrove swamp. We got to the bio bay. It really wasn't as amazing as they said it was going to be, and then we had to turn around and go all the way back through that mile of mangrove swamp as well. But I was thinking about that, and I said, you know, navigating through that mangrove swamp is a a little bit like life, right? I mean, you can't see where you're going most of the time. And even when you think you do, you're not, you don't really know. There are things smacking you in the face, problems you're running into, you're running into things and problems. You're getting frustrated with the people in your life, right? And I was thinking about it, and I said, you know, God's wisdom is kind of like that red light on the back of the kayak you just gotta if you can just focus on that it can help you navigate through those difficulty why because at the front of that line of kayaks was a guy from the tour who designed this thing and how it's supposed to work and he knows every little bit of how to get through this thing he has the wisdom we needed to get our way through. And and that's kind of what God's wisdom is like in life. Um, If we want to understand how the world works and how to successfully navigate through this life, we need God's wisdom. We need to keep our eye on that. We need to embrace the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. This is the only place that our quest for wisdom can begin. That brings me to the second thing I want to talk about, and it's just acquiring true wisdom. How do we acquire wisdom? So if the fear of the Lord is the foundational principle that makes true knowledge and wisdom possible, how do we acquire it? How do we become wiser in life? Well, Proverbs would tell us that you won't get wisdom naturally. Uh, you won't find wisdom on your own. You won't get it just trying to observe life and figure out the world, or simply by studying things. See, wisdom must be given to us. And wisdom can only be revealed to us by God. Proverbs 2:6 tells us that. He says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge. And understanding, You see, God has to reveal wisdom to us because it's his wisdom, right? And that's the only way we can get it. This is why the fear of the Lord is so important. We must be willing to be instructed by God. God is the only one who can impart wisdom to us. If we want to grow in wisdom, we must be humble and teachable and want to receive instruction from God. God. It's his wisdom. And Proverbs tells us again and again that if we really want to know wisdom, we have to want it. We have to seek it diligently. We have to pursue it and search for it like the treasure that it is. God gives wisdom to those who genuinely desire and hunger for it. See, to be wise requires diligence and intentionality. To be a fool, on the other hand, that's easy. That doesn't require any effort. And so where do we find this wisdom? Well, the the obvious answer, I mean, this is what Proverbs is about, right? It's in Proverbs. It's in the Bible. The Bible is one of the, the basic ways where we find God's wisdom. The Bible gives us truth about life and how God has designed it to work. Proverbs 35 tells us, For every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So in the Bible, God says that we have the truth that will enable us to know his wisdom. And so God reveals his wisdom to us in the pages of Scripture. He shows us what true wisdom is. But also in the Bible... The wisdom of God is manifested most clearly and completely in a person. The greatest expression of God's wisdom that is revealed to us in the scriptures is the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God's wisdom in human form. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 as he writes to the Corinthian believers, he says this, he says, And because of him, him being God, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, in this verse, wisdom from God is is the umbrella phrase that is fleshed out by the words righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You see, the wisdom of God is seen most clearly in God sending his son into this world to rescue us from the consequences that we've earned because of all the bad choices we've made that have violated his spiritual and moral Laws. And this is God's wisdom. God sent his son into this world to rescue us from that. And so Jesus becomes a human being and comes into the world and lives a perfectly righteous life that we could never do so that he could give that righteousness to us. So the righteousness of the wisdom of God is given to us through Jesus. And then he gives himself to die on a cross to redeem us for our redemption, that he might pay for all the, the, the just price that those sins and wrong choices have made in our life, that he would pay for them so that we could be forgiven Um, And not have them held against us, that we could be redeemed, purchased back from the consequences of those things so that we could be restored back into a relationship with God. That by faith in him, by looking to him, by believing what God says about his son, that's God's wisdom, that's the fear of the Lord. To do that, we have to receive instruction from God that we can, by faith, enter into all the blessing that Jesus came to give us. Righteousness, to be righteous in God's sight because of his righteous life given to us. Redemption to be purchased back from the consequences of our sins because of his death on our behalf. Sanctification to be set apart for God and his purposes, to be brought back into a relationship with him where we would spend eternity with him. This is God's wisdom on display. And if you're here, if you're here, you're listening in today, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God's inviting you to receive His wisdom for you today, to turn from whatever wisdom you may be trusting in now. And to look to God's wisdom, to put your trust in Jesus, to make him your Lord, to in your heart turn your life over to him and put your hope in him to be your salvation. And the choice is yours. I mean, you can say no to that. You can reject that. But if you do, I can assure you the day will come. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next year. It may not be 10 years from now. But the day will come when you realize how foolish that decision was. See, in these verses in Proverbs 1, we we see two types of people portrayed, two ways we can respond to God and his wisdom. In verses 2 through 6, we see the picture of one who receives instruction. Verse 5 says, the wise hear. In other words, they they listen, they accept. So this is the person who wants to seek wisdom and, and understand God's truth. This is someone who wants to be instructed by God. Someone who takes what God says, believes it, and seeks to apply it in their life becoming wise requires humility and being teachable humility and being teachable are critical if we're going to be instructed by God in his wisdom but there's a second type of person that we see pictured in verse 7 it says in verse 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the word despise, it it means to have contempt for, thinking we're too smart for, thinking we're above needing to be instructed. And Proverbs has a lot to say about fools and what they're like. Just give you a little sample from Proverbs. Proverbs 10.8 says, The wise of heart will receive commandments but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 15.5, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. And Proverbs 28.26, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool but who, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. See, Proverbs has a lot to say about what fools look like and what they do. See, they don't think they need God's wisdom. They already know all they need to know about life. They don't want to be instructed by God or through his word. They particularly don't want correction and reproof. They think they are wise in themselves and don't need or value God's wisdom. I mean, nobody wants to be a fool, right? But the question is, which of these two types of responses would most characterize our lives? If we do some self-evaluation, which would most characterize us? Are we humble? and teachable, diligently pursuing wisdom in God's word and applying it in life? Are we living in loving submission to God in the fear of the Lord? Is that submission evident in how we relate to other people in life, our parents, your boss on your job, people in general? Or do you trust more in your own mind and your own thinking? Do you disdain or not value God's wisdom and instruction in your life? Do you value correction and reproof as a way to become wiser? Or do you despise it and resent it? The wise hear and listen and increase in learning and wisdom. And correction is just its one of the key ways that happens. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. But you know, wisdom is not just something that's honoring and pleasing to God and for him. It really promises incredible blessing and benefit for your life. Proverbs doesn't hesitate to say that what is right and wise in God's eyes is beneficial and good in our lives as well. In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, wisdom is often uh, characterized and personified as a person who's talking to you, who's appealing to you, who's calling out to you. And in Proverbs 8, 17 through 21, wisdom says this. It says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. see, there is no inconsistency between living according to God's wisdom and our good and well-being. Wisdom is meant to be a blessing in our lives. But you know, Proverbs is just as clear about the consequences of turning away from true wisdom and choosing the path of a fool. Proverbs 1, through 32, wisdom says this, "'Because I have called and you refuse to listen,' have stretched out my hand, and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. See, what characterizes a fool, a foolish person is one who either turns away and rejects God's wisdom or you're just complacent. You just don't care enough. Just, there's more th- other things much more important in life. And so the question, really, for each of us as we sit here this morning is is which path do we want to choose? Because both are before us. Do we want to choose the path of walking in wisdom and God's wisdom and loving submission to him? Or or would we rather choose the path of trusting our own wisdom, going our own way, thinking we can make it work out without God's wisdom? That's kind of the question that's before us. If I could have the worship team come join me. In Proverbs 9, again, wisdom and folly are sort of portrayed as two women. And they've each kind of built their house, and they've gone in and they've prepared a meal, and they stand outside their house, and they're calling out to those who pass by. And they're inviting you in. They say, come on come in, eat with me, let's have fellowship together, let me be your companion, let me help guide you through life. And wisdom and folly are both calling out. And Proverbs 9 says that turning into one house leads to life, and turning into the other is the path to death. So which will we choose? Wisdom or folly. And you know, in this world of information overload, there are voices speaking all around us, inviting us to have fellowship with them. And some of those voices might be wisdom and some might be folly. And we need discernment to know which house we're being invited into. Wisdom or folly. And I just want to say, young people, if you're a young person, this is particularly important in your life because as you're developing and growing into the maturity of being your own adult person, the path you choose is going to shape the direction of your adult life. And, And this is really one of the main reasons why this book was written. But really, the question for all of us is, do you want to be wise I mean surely nobody wants to be a fool right but the choice is ours Proverbs 8:32 through 36 wisdom says this and now o sons listen to me <clears throat> blessed are those who keep my ways hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my door. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. See, God is inviting each of us to walk with him today in the way of wisdom. And he has sent his son Jesus to bring us into a relationship with him whereby faith in him we are completely forgiven, accepted, and deeply loved for all eternity as his child. And he's given us his word and his spirit to teach and instruct us in his wisdom. That through living and loving submission to the God who made us and saved us, we might be able to know and walk in wisdom. And his wisdom isn't to make us miserable so that we would lose out in life. His wisdom is to bring blessing and good that we might prosper and be blessed in the truly important things in life. And what a special privilege and gift of his grace that is. So let's close by standing together and let's sing this song, just declaring our desire to keep the perfect picture of God's wisdom in Jesus before our eyes that we might follow and walk with him as our vision and as our wisdom.